Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Seggy Station. This man has a nickname, always a lot to say with no shame. Saturday, January 23rd, 2021. Hope all is well out there, everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe. Nick Segalian here. You're listening to Seggy Station Podcast. I'm coming in solo today. Getting through a few takes across the world of sports. Got some NFL Conference Championship Sunday game picks for you. A little bit of sad news to report. Lost a couple legends the past couple days. But good news is I got a PS5. For anybody that's been following me on the podcast, shout out to my dude Boosh, hooking it up, letting me know he had a PS5 with my name on it, which I'm like, damn, bro, out of all the people you're giving it to me, I owe that kid my right leg. Much love to Boosh. Looking forward to setting that thing up. Uh, I feel like fucking kid in a candy store for the first time. Kid on Christmas, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, so hard to get, man. It's just like not even fair at this point. I feel like people that don't have them now are going to be mad because I have them. It's like, bro, like, trust me, I've been trying just as hard as all y'all to get one. Paid a little bit more, but got a bundle extra controller. And it is real. I do have a PS5, which is just so fire to say. But I do want to get into some sports talk today before I do anything with that, before I go have some dinner with my neighbor who'll be moving this Thursday. Not sure if I'll be seeing her anymore, so sorrow week for me. But right now it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Seggy Straight Talk microphone. It's always direct. Time to reflect. Appreciate all love and support. For the podcast, as always, you can follow along on my Instagram page and Twitter page at Seggy Station. Got the podcast up on my live version of my Twitch stream. It's underscore Seggy underscore G. We also got the podcast out on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. So hopefully you get your podcast there. Hopefully I get the boys back. But today I'm coming in solo. I'm going to start with this. We lost a few legends yesterday. One this morning. Yesterday we lost probably one of the best baseball players, if not the best baseball player of all time, and Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron passed away, age of 86, yesterday. And we lost a television legend in Larry King, who passed away this morning in Los Angeles. He was 87. Um... Obviously, the sports world and a lot of people are reacting to the Hank Aaron passing and seeing all the tributes and all the videos of obviously a guy that retired in, I believe it was 1974, 75. You obviously don't get to see him as much and you just get to hear the stories, but you're watching obviously some of the games. You're hearing more about Hank Aaron and as how as a child he was under his bed scared because the KKK was storming through his neighborhood, all the racism he had to deal with. In 18, at 18, he left uh, Alabama, and he retired as baseball's home run king and died today as a hero. He's absolutely inspiring. Uh, the Vince Scully, 1974, April 8th, voiceover of him basically calling Hank Aaron's 715th home run, which, by the way, if he didn't, Count any of his home runs towards his hits, he would still have three over 3,000 hits, which is incredible. I'm going to have to wait for Chu to talk more about Hank Aaron because he's my baseball guy. But I do know that 
This quote, what a marvelous moment for our country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking an all-time baseball idol. That's Vin Scully quote. Obviously that voiceover, you probably heard it a little bit during these times, the times obviously where we're trying to get more equality all around in this country. I think losing a legend like this can bring some light in inspiring. You see how many people uh, were affected by this man's death and it does make you put things into perspective to how many people will even be there when you're passing away to see the that's what the whole thing with Kobe Bryant which by the way Kobe Bryant yesterday celebrated his 15th anniversary of dropping 81 points uh like to see how many people showed out for Kobe Bryant and how many people were affected by the loss of Kobe Bryant and obviously his was tragic and young but Everybody is going to feel the same about Hank Aaron, a guy that literally was one of the greatest baseball players and people in history in our game for baseball, but just in our country in general. When you look at his stats and his ranks, he's 2,297, his first in RBIs, 1,477 extra base hits, 25-time All-Star when he played 23 years, which I thought was crazy, 755 home runs. I mean, the guy's incredible, and he's always done his stuff with class. Oops. Not ideal. Sorry about that. Oops. My bad. I was botching that. Not a good way to send out that segment. Horrible. But hopefully I'll get Chewy back. We'll be able to talk a little bit about Hank Aaron. Um, 20, 1957 NL MVP, 1957 World Series champion, three-time gold glover, Hall of Famer, two-time batting champ. Uh, the list goes on and on with him. Uh, and obviously losing a legend in Larry King as well. The Falcons will be retiring number 44 for the 2021 season in honor of Hank Aaron. They should just do that in general going forward, but guess that's better than nothing, so shout out for them doing that. Uh, saw that Hank Aaron made his MLB, or MLB debut with the Milwaukee Braves in 1954 at the age of 20. On April 8, 1974, he surpassed Babe Ruth on MLB's all-time home run leader. He's second in MLB history with 755, I believe, behind Barry Bonds, who passed him, but she handled that in class as well. Um, he remains MLB's all-time leader in RBI and total bases. Incredible. Incredible career. Incredible stuff. Did need to touch on a couple of coaching carousel hires that I saw. And the first one I'll touch on is the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a stretch for me. And I'll be interested to see what Duke and how Duke kind of feels about the hiring of former Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as their next head coach. The, let's see, 39-year-old becomes lead man in Philadelphia. He spent three seasons as the Chiefs assistant coach, five seasons with the Chargers, and the past three seasons with the Colts. Never had a head coaching job. And obviously it's raising a lot of controversy with now Dan Campbell getting hired by the Lions, which I'll touch on him after this. Uh, this guy... 
Sirianni is obviously another white head coach that was hired in the NFL where they institute a Rooney rule where you got guys out there like Eric Bieniemy that's obviously potentially going to hopefully get a job and then other guys that are looking to get jobs that seem to get passed over by guys that don't really seem to have the same resume. It doesn't really add up for me. Um, I think this is a reach not only for the Eagles organization, but I would assume that this coach was hired because he projects to be able to keep Carson Wentz because the report out there is the Eagles are telling head coaching candidates that they want to keep Carson Wentz. So I assume he wants to roll with Carson Wentz, Nick Sirianni, which will be interesting to me to see how Carson Wentz handles coming off what was obviously not only his worst season of his career, but probably one of the worst regressions in the NFL that we've ever seen. 2019 season, he was 64 completion percentage, 4,039 yards, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, passer rating of 93.1. This past season, down to 57% completion percentage, nearly half of his yards, 2,620, 16 TDs, 15 interceptions, led the league in turnovers and fumbles as well, and a 72.8 passer rating. So hopefully Nick Sirianni can clean up that mess. Hopefully Nick Sirianni can clean up the fact that uh, you're 18, you know, a bunch of uh, money over the cap. You got a power money hungry owner. And I'm just hoping that for Duke's sake, they didn't hire somebody who's going to be a puppet in essence for the team. And if I'm on this team and if I'm looking how that situation was handled with Doug Peterson, you know, the connections for Carson Wentz with Frank Wright. And if we can't get Frank Wright, well, let's get the next closest guy in this guy, Nick Sirianni. But how is this going to work out with all the drama that happened this offseason with the locker room of the Eagles and now hiring a guy in which he really doesn't have the type of resume in which maybe a team of the Philadelphia Eagles um, makeup is going to completely buy in with Jalen Hurts potentially being behind Carson Wentz? If that's the case, how is that going to play out? I, I just... I don't understand this higher. I don't understand what's going on in Philadelphia. And quite frankly, I feel bad right now for my guy Dukes. Uh, I do feel bad for the Detroit Lions. Um, I was going to get the recording and play it, but it, it's you, you should just go look it up and, and listen to it for yourself. Dan Campbell, his first press conference as head coach of the Detroit Lions. I mind you, this man has the dude written on his name tag, which is now as obviously the head coach of the Lions for his office, which I thought was a little strange, along with this man's opening press conference. Which, by the way, go look it up. You can see it. But I do think this stuff matters. When I hear coaches talk to the media or the fan base or for whatever it is, their first press conference as head coach of a team, I do believe that type of stuff matters. And I do believe this guy absolutely botched it. Now, okay, it's funny, right? It's cool. He's bringing that competitive atmosphere to a team that really hasn't had it had any and they go from Matt Patricia who really was just standing there with a pencil in his ear looking like he wanted to cry all the time to a guy that's going to bring all this hype up energy like rah-rah type of stuff okay great you hired the exact opposite guy than what you had maybe something you needed but also similar to Nick Sirianni lack of experience lack of resume in what is probably going to be a complete real build straight dumpster fire what frankly quite frankly has been going on in Detroit for the past decade did meet a couple virtual guys one of them was from Detroit he said he wanted to potentially come on the pod so I'd be interested to see what he had 
to say about this hire. Be interesting to see what he thinks about the franchise going forward. Matt Stafford, Detroit Lions in general, are going to be able to compete in what is in a division that is competitive, obviously, with the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings, etc. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bears are competitive and what they do now, potentially bringing back Matt Nagy and what's going on with Mitch Trubisky and who they can get in there. So they're in that division as well. The Lions still seem like to be the last crop of this division. And when you have a head coach out there getting his first chance to not only talk to the fan base, but to the media and the organization as a whole, and obviously the players are going to see it, it just comes across as a little weird when you're telling people you're going to bite their kneecaps off, you're going to rise up and do all these things that realistically no one really cares about and he also swore in his press conference which I'm thinking like all right not a big deal but like maybe a big deal it's like I don't know it it didn't really come off as a good first impression to me with what's going on in the Detroit Lions organization I would presume they're going to need a little bit more of a guy that made a little bit more sense and a little bit more direction path rather than this rah-rah, biting kneecaps off stuff that realistically you can't do because you probably go to jail for that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Detroit. Two questionable hires for me, and now currently you only have one uh, head coaching job open in the Houston Texans, and we all know what's been going on down there with Deshaun Watson and their organization. So we'll see how things shake out with that spot, landing spot, and if Eric Bieniemy gets a shot, I do have a hot take on Eric Bieniemy though. If the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I'll leave that for the game picks. Did need to touch on this? I saw Dwayne Haskins. I'm out with Shu the other day. I'm helping Shu moving a treadmill for his sister. Shout out Hannes. Got a, got her a treadmill in her new place, which by the way is super nice. Shout out Boosh. By the way, your place is super nice too. Everyone's got nice places. Uh. Dwayne Haskins, a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I thought was very interesting. Um, I think Big Ben's got to go. So you either bring in a guy like Dwayne Haskins to either, what, sit behind Big Ben for the last year or potentially slide in halfway through whatever it is, get mentored a little bit under Big Ben, or is he going to be the guy this year looking to take over and potentially get another contract, whatever it is, they draft a guy behind hand whatever it is the Steelers p- probably need a new quarterback and bringing in Dwayne Haskins on a one-year deal does seem to be an interesting move for me I do think that it was a little bit too early in regards to how the situation went but the dude gets a second chance let's see if he can pay it off uh going into an organization with Mike Tomlin you think with Ron Rivera he would have been a little bit buttoned up but I don't think you're going to get away with any of this BS with Mike Tomlin so Hopefully he gets his career on the right path. Hopefully he has a chance to get out there and play because I do think he can contribute to a team, and I do think Dwayne Haskins has a shot to be a quarterback. But when you're out here doing these reckless things in during a pandemic season, when you're a third-string guy, when you're looking to start a playoff game, it's it's not a good look. And I know Mike Tomlin can potentially get you under control slightly, but I would say most of it relies on yourself. And if you're able to do that, the organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers hopefully will be able to do that for you. 
but it definitely relies a lot on his own doing. If he's able to do that, I'd be interested to see how Dwayne Haskins looks for the Pittsburgh Steelers if he's able to get out on the field because I think he'd look better than Big Ben did. And I think you have a better shot of potentially winning more games, big-time games, playoff-type games with a guy that can move and throw a little bit better than Big Ben. I don't know if that's Dwayne Haskins, but high-risk, high-reward potentially with a signing of just a one-year deer for Dwayne Haskins heading to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see if he gets a shot. We'll see if he's able to even stay on the team because, like I said, I'm not so sure Mike Tomlin will keep him on the team the second this man slips up. He's probably gone. So we'll see if he's able to keep things under control and be able to get any of this stuff right off the field, back onto the field, whatever it is for Dwayne Haskins. We'll see if he's able to re get his career back on track, baby. Good luck, Dwayne. Let me touch on some NBA. Shout out Dame Dalla. About to call him Daddy Dame from now on. He welcomed in twins to the world yesterday. The Nets lose back-to-back games to the Cavs. Now, this is interesting. Because I talked a little bit about it with Rich the other day. Got to come on, mention how the defense, for me, for the Nets, was the reason why I didn't think they were going to be able to be favorites in the East. And you go and lose back-to-back games to the Cavs. Humbling losses, says, quote, Kyrie Irving. Colin Sexton out there in your old jersey and your shoes, balling out. Kind of tough for Kyrie to handle. Not good. KD obviously didn't play yesterday. All three of them played the first matchup back-to-back, same team. NBA is doing that a lot. I think when you're losing back-to-back games to the 30th-ranked NBA offense in the league, allowing 134 paint points, outscoring you by 40-plus paint points, you allowing the highest uh, total paint points in a two-game span in 25-year history with the Brooklyn Nets, not ideal. Jared Allen looking really good for the Cavs, a player that you traded away. Torian Prince icing you from three pieces that you traded away that I thought would have been able to contribute you making a run and making it to the finals. You losing all those pieces and bringing in James Harden, to me, does not make that any more of a fact or a guarantee. If anything, it makes it harder to do. And I think we're seeing this now over time, now bringing Kyrie back. Obviously, KD looking like an MVP. And obviously, James Harden can score the basketball prolific rate. Kyrie's doing the same thing as well. But they're being absolutely obliterated on the defense end. You're not going to be able to compete come playoff basketball time, come the rest of these teams in the East time, when you got guys out there that are going to have to get guarded. You're looking at teams across the East right now. I think the Hawks could beat the Nets. And I'm not even messing around with what Clint Capella is doing. Trey Young looking a lot better. He had one bad game, but the Hawks are going to make the playoffs. And then you got, obviously, the mainstayers in the East. Sixers looking like the best team in the East. Celtics. Pacers are up there. Bucks with Giannis. How are they going to guard any of these players? Middleton. I mean, I'm not even talking about the just star players on the other team. And everyone's saying, well, KD will step up to the plate. Fine. If that's who you want to guard these people, then it's obviously going to take away from his offensive game in which you're going to obviously then be relying more on Kyrie Irving and James Harden, guys that haven't been able to do anything on their own with any team. So it'll be interesting. I don't think this is good for the Nets. I think this is tough for Steve Nash, who, by the way, looks like he's aged about five years in a month. Uh, We'll see if the Nets can get... 
things under control. I know it's just a couple losses, but I couldn't agree more with Shaquille O'Neal. You know, I uplift my brothers by telling the truth. I'm not a yes man, okay? You ain't show up yet in the playoffs. If they don't win a championship this year, it's a bust. Now, Shaquille O'Neal to Donovan Mitchell the other night. That's another story. The whole TNT t- countdown crew I know Rich wants to talk about it, so I'll wait for it. But I can't agree with Shaq more in that regard. They do say some things that are valid, and I think it's championship or bust literally this year for the Nets. Come next year, obviously, if they're all there. And if you don't get a championship at all in two years, that's going to be extremely hard for the legacy of not only KD, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. I did want to touch on the Sixers a bit. Joel Embiid putting in work. I think Joel Embiid right now... KD probably wouldn't even be one. I think Joel Embiid's the MVP right now if you had to vote. Uh, Back-to-back wins up against the Celtics. Granted, they got no Jason Tatum because of health and safety protocols, so not really at full strength, but 122-110 last night. Joel Embiid had another 38 points, and I'm not so sure that Joel Embiid is not the best big man in this league, and I've been saying it. I know Jokic is basically averaging a triple-double. He's top five in steals right now. He's putting up Will, Luka, Russ-type triple-double numbers to start out 15 games through the season as a big man with top five in steals. It's pretty incredible what Jokic is doing. But nobody can guard Joel Embiid like Jokic. Like, Jokic is guardable. He passes great, and he's obviously a much probably better passer than Joel Embiid, obviously, if you're leading the league in assists as a big man. Um, Just an incredible stat. But Joel Embiid, to me, is not easily guarded as a big man in this league, if guardable at all, with what he's doing now down low in the paint, the fact that he can shoot as well, but he's shooting less because now he's doing more in the paint, which obviously the offense is going to run through them. And Ben Simmons didn't get traded. Seth Curry coming back. All the guys that they brought in to put around those two guys – with Daryl Morey running it, Doc Rivers being the head coach, Sixers are cooking up something good in the East, and Joel Embiid is the main reason for that. I saw a fan turn $250 bet into $103,000 on the Sixers-Celtics game the other day. It was an 11-selection parlay, plus $250 bet, plus 400 odds. Uh, that's ridiculous. I also think it's ridiculous that in some states, FanDuel is allowing sportsbook, but in other states, it's not. For some degenerates like me that like to do some type of a little bit of a gambling, why do I have to go to other states in which other states are allowing it, but my state's not? It's this whole thing with like the legalization of the marijuana, the legalization of gambling. It's like, let's just make it a universal thing here. What's the deal? It's making plenty of money off it. Like, why wouldn't you want to make money off it in your state? doesn't really seem to make much sense to me. doesn't really seem to be fair to me. Similarly to getting a PS5, but I don't have to worry about that anymore. But I do have to worry about that for some of my, not only other friends, but my boss who's probably mad. It's stupid how hard it is to get a PS5. Hopefully more people are getting them soon. I had to get one through my buddy and pay an extra whatever it is, $200 basically for the bundle pack. Not that I won't do that, but it's like, damn, bro, supply and demand. Uh, You knew they were in demand. You should probably supply a little bit more. Um, But I don't have to worry about that anymore. Going to take a quick break. Come on back. 
get into my game picks before I get out of here for the day. Be right back in the Seggy Station. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. The Seggy Station is brought to you by Callie's Love. A man's best friend is his dog. Shout to rescue much to many, but life's been companion to me. To me, not to promote true home happiness in a household, but a loving companion of a pet. Especially at a time like this, get yourself a little pet friend like mine at your local animal shelter, pound or nursery. Save their life and they just might save yours. Now it's time for your Sports Center update. Alabama extends the mass mandate amid high COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations. They have had the highest death toll since COVID has begun. COVID is still a thing. Been hearing a bunch of my friends that I know copping COVID. Stay safe out there, people. Still a thing. NCAA places Notre Dame on probation. Brian Kelly recruiting violation. Ha, will you look at that? Notre Dame, maybe this is them just not being allowed to be in the top Final Four anymore because they can't do anything when they're there. Alex Smith named 2020 Comeback Player of the Year. Shout out Alex Smith. They might as well just name the award after him going forward. Sad news to report here. NBC has told distributors and some sports leagues that it plans to shut down its NBCSN sports channel by the end of the year. Brutal loss, bad loss for the industry. Many jobs to be lost in that regard there for the sports world. Cavaliers trade Kevin Porter Jr. to the Rockets for a future second round pick. Talked about Kevin Porter getting traded for his locker room incident. He made it to the Rockets, where Victor Oladipo has been balling out. We'll see if he gets moved again. Hope he does. Sean Desai becomes the first NFL coordinator of Indian descent. He was hired as the Bears defensive coordinator, taking over for the retired Chuck Pagano. Matt Patricia returns to the Patriots, various coaching roles, as he was let go, obviously, by the Detroit Lions. Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown interviewed by the Texans, the one remaining NFL coaching vacancy. As in the NFL, Fox 305, Packers, Bucks, CBS, Bills, Chiefs 640, Conference Championship Sunday, just over 27 hours away. Let's go. Tune back in. Nick Seglin here. You listen to Seg Station Podcast. Appreciate all love and support. Showing for the podcast. As always, follow along on my Instagram page and Twitter page at Seggy Station. Also got a live Twitch stream version of my pod up on my Twitch stream. It's underscore Seggy underscore G. And we got the podcast out on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Hopefully you get your podcast there. Let's get into these game picks before I get out of here today. Happy I made it on to do so. Didn't think I was. Had to cover a couple other stories I saw in sports before doing so. But let's hit it hard. Now, first game of the day will of the day. I'm sorry. Will be Packers Bucks. I got Packers winning this game through and through. I think the Packers are a better team. I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. I think. Antonio Brown being ruled out for the Tampa Bay Bucks will be a big loss, and I think Tom Brady will eventually have to fold. This will be the game up against Aaron Rodgers in what will be projected 
sub 20 temperatures, wind, cold, snow, all things that I don't believe will have Tom Brady performing at his best. We go and we check out Tom Brady over the past six weeks. Yeah, he's been doing some incredible stuff on the back end of the regular season. First playoff game up against Taylor Haneke. And last week, obviously, taking out what was Drew Brees on basically one leg. Um, man didn't even want to play and seemed to be a little bit of a through-and-through through situation here for the Saints. And the issue I have is, realistically, those two games, he's not playing well. Packers defense is a little bit better than people are going to give credit for. I think Packers defense shows up in this regard. Then you're allowing those teams to score points on you. The Buccaneers defense, obviously, that is. So Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, won't have a, any struggle scoring points in this game. Uh, we, everybody brings back the fact that these teams played in Week 6. And it's also very interesting that the Bills and Chiefs played in Week 6 as well. Two matchups, rematches of Week 6. In which in Week 6, obviously the Buccaneers, we all know, took out the Packers. And it was the biggest blowout of the season for the Packers. Worst game of the year for Aaron Rodgers. He had two pick sixes in the game. You go back and look at some of the stuff and stats on that game. It was probably Aaron Rodgers' worst game he's ever played. Okay, to me, that's an anomaly, not a trend. To me, Aaron Rodgers is going to be fired up and upset, obviously, that he played that bad in that game. Now going up against Tom Brady for the first time in the playoffs ever, Brady versus Rodgers. All things on the line here for Aaron Rodgers. Trying to win a second Super Bowl. Potentially winning his third MVP. All the legacy comes into effect for not only Tom Brady, for Aaron Rodgers as well. A lot of legacy in these games for, obviously, guys playing at the age of 37 and 43 in this league. You got to give Tom Brady somewhat of some credit for doing this at this that age, but I see stuff similar to what I saw out of game managers in the past at that were older in their career similar to Peyton Manning and the list goes on and on. Even with some of these guys like Drew Brees that we saw them try and do just this past week up against them and clearly that didn't turn out to be uh work out too bad uh too good for the new orleans saints i don't think that's aaron Rodgers. like i think aaron Rodgers is still in the prime of his career a guy that had to sit behind uh brett Favre for three years so he's in my opinion a young 37 and it's not gonna be him having to go out there and do what he hasn't already been doing this year which is leading the league in touchdown passes out here leading the league in red zone. Obviously, Devontae Adams, but all these other weapons they have, and they got a three-headed monster now coming out of the backfield with a defense that is much better. I don't see the Bucks defense being as good as the Packers defense in this game. I don't see Tom Brady being as good as Aaron Rodgers in this game. I don't see the Buccaneers coming out on top in this game, making it to the first Super Bowl since 2003, I believe be the first team to play at their home stadium in the Super Bowl in NFL history if they win this game. I don't know. Maybe the fix is in. And a lot of people talk about the NFL being fixed and sports being fixed. And maybe that is a thing if some of this shit goes down this way. Because I just don't see how this game would be won by Tom Brady outplaying Aaron Rodgers, by Tom Brady not relying on a couple of 
defensive picks, obviously, maybe a defensive touchdown, special teams, all this crazy stuff to win the game. And we saw it, obviously, in the first two playoff games that these teams played. So that's the problem I really have with Tom Brady because if he does have one of those games like he had this year, in my opinion, Bucks the most inconsistent team in the NFL this year where he goes out there and has a dud up against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, that's not going to look good. And that's not going to be good for a legacy you're still trying to build, still playing at the age of 43. We'll see. But I think it ends this week for the Bucks, Tom Brady, Packers. I'll take them big, too. I'll take them by 10, maybe even 14, 34-24. Then you'll have the nightcap, Chiefs-Bills. Let me just first say, for anybody that thought Patrick Mahomes was not going to play in this game, you're out of your mind. I saw it when he went down, like, it was not the same type of concussion that we see in the NFL where he absolutely got lit in the head. I mean, he might have gotten knocked up a little bit and had a concussion, but I don't think it was one of these concussions where he's going to be out for multiple weeks. And I don't think, I mind you, 95% of NFL players return from concussions within seven days. Pat Mahomes is going to be outside that statistic. Talks about his turf toe, talks about other lingering injuries heading into this game. It's clear potentially Pat Mahomes will not be 100%. Putting all that aside, the Chiefs obviously have been the best team in the AFC, if not football all year. Everyone's talking about them not winning games by big enough margins, them all this, them all that. It does bring up interesting facts, but they won the games. Pat Mahomes, everyone thinking he's going to look rusty. He didn't. Everyone now thinking he might be concussed. He's hurt. He might not be. He might go out there and absolutely torch the Bills. But I do think Josh Allen is a different guy this year. I do think Stephon Diggs is an X factor, and I do think Bills' defense is a thing that could potentially win them this game. This is a tough game for me to pick because I have the Bills going to the Super Bowl, and I had the Packers going to the Super Bowl. So if I pick the Bills here and the Packers, and both those teams win, I would pretty much have the two teams all the way through and through pick into the Super Bowl, which would be pretty sweet for me. But Pat Mahomes, whether he's 100% or not, playing in a game scares me. With all the weapons they have, with Andy Reid and the type of balls he has, Eric Bieniemy. here's my hot take on that. Everyone all upset he's not going to potentially get a job. It might not be looking like it because I don't know if he even wants to go to the Texans. Who would? I mean, that's just a straight dumpster fire right now. If they lose to Sean Watson, that's the most unvaluable coaching job in NFL history. Uh, I mean, but if the Kansas City Chiefs do win this game and they do win the Super Bowl, and even though Kansas City signed Andy Reid to an extension, what happens if Andy Reid has something cooked up where, you know what, he just won back-to-back Super Bowls, He's put himself up there legacy-wise. We all know he eats a bunch, tons of cheeseburgers, so I don't know. Maybe his health isn't great. Maybe he's a little stressed out. Maybe he wants to take some time. Maybe he wants to be done coaching. Who knows? And he hands it over to Eric Bieniemy, the new head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. That right there would not only blow everyone's mind, but I do think that's a possibility because we've seen things like this happen before. Getting back to the game, the Bills' defense is... Since week 12, the best defense in the red zone. And since week 12, Kansas City's offense is the worst in the red zone. 
Is that going to matter in this game? Maybe. I do think that when you look at some of these stats, you come into this game and you have to throw some of that stuff to a side. But at the same time, it could come into effect where the Bills might be able to pull an upset. They are very one-dimensional, not rushing the ball at all. After Zach Moss went down last game of the year, Devin Singletary just isn't the workload type of back. And it'll be interesting to see if they can just stick with a high-flying, let's hum it around all day, Pat Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Josh Allen does have the weapons and the arm to do that, but if he turns the ball over up against Pat Mahomes, that's not going to be good either. I do think this game is going to be close. I do think Pat Mahomes has the potential to be a little bit banged up, and I would say right now, if you're a Bills fan, if you're pick the Bills to make the Super Bowl, I know Duke's brother's got money on it. If you like me, have been riding high on the Bills all year, and this is some type of Cinderella story we might be seeing with the Bills, potentially. What better time now to upset the Kansas City Chiefs with potentially now a bummed, banged up Pat Mahomes, a run game that is a little bit banged up, Clyde Edwards-Alaire might play, Sammy Watkins might play. Obviously, we know their defense is and has some key players in Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, some of their backers, all the things they have, but I do think the Chiefs could lose. And I do think I will pick the Bills to win this game. Bills, Packers, in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 55. Bills, Packers. Sounds wild. But I'm going to believe it. Closer game, probably like three points. Can Josh Allen do it late? Nightcap game, edge of our seats. 31-28, Bills. Stephon Diggs might have to do something heroic, too. He's done it before. Should be good. I've been out of this for a minute, huh? Yikes. Not ideal. It's all good. Always happens. Enjoy the football for sure. Should be fire. Last two game set of the year with the Super Bowl on deck. NBA really cranking up. Saw a lot of good NBA last night. Got some stuff to get into with Rich when I see him again. Saw Jay Cutler's back on the map with Kristen Cavallari, which is fire. She says, the world is full of users. Ten years. Can't break that. Shout out Jay Cutler, man. <sighs> Maybe love's not dead. Christine Cavallari. Jay Cutler. Love it. I got a PS5. Shout out to Boosh. It's like a whole thing. People will probably be mad. People that have it will be happy. Similar to sports. Similar to how this week will go for me. My neighbor moving this Thursday. I'll be able to come on hopefully and react to the football games, to some of the NBA with Rich. Maybe Chu comes back to talk some MLB with me. All the shit going down with the Mets. Obviously the loss of Hank Aaron. A couple other legends. What the Yankees are doing. What some other teams are doing. Be nice to spin it with my dude Smats. Hopefully get a couple more 
people on the podcast, new guests, that'd be fire over the next month or so, having a little more time looking into doing that. NFL announcing that Super Bowl 55 in Tampa will host 22,000 fans, 7,500 of which will be vaccinated healthcare workers being given free tickets. The majority of these healthcare workers, all of whom have received both doses of the vaccine, will come from the hospitals and healthcare systems in the Tampa and Central area. They will receive free Super Bowl tickets and game day experiences directly from the NFL. All 32 NFL clubs will select vaccinated healthcare workers from their communities to attend Super Bowl in Tampa Bay on February 7th. Shout out the NFL for doing that. Should have filled up the whole damn stadium with healthcare workers. Let them be the only ones at the stadium, in my opinion. But free tickets to 7,500 of them is better than nothing. Can Tyron Johnson, who had a 101-yard pick six, the same guy who went the wrong way in the combine, got hit in the head a couple years ago, can he do something in that AFC championship game? Let's see. Stephon Diggs, the first player since Akeem Nix in 2011 with 100 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown in his first two games of the postseason. He's the sixth to do it in the last 20 seasons. Let's see if he can get 100 in a tutty again. He's going to need it. Go Bills. Bills Mafia saw a guy battling cancer for five months, jumped on a Bills Mafia table with cancer written on it. Shout out to that guy. Shout out Bills Mafia. They raised, I think it's like over 400-something thousand for Lamar Jackson's charity after he got knocked out of the game. I mean, that team deserves to win. We'll see if Pat Mahomes can do something incredible because if he wins back-to-back Super Bowls and Andy Reid wins back-to-back Super Bowls and all that's put into legacy for that team, we'll just see how nasty of a dynasty they have going forward. But you got to beat the best to be the best. We'll see if the Bills can pull it off. Bills, Packers, Super Bowl 55. Fuck Brady. That's all I have for the A-Waves today. Appreciate all listening as always. And as always, I still have no shame what I had to say. The man with a nickname. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. Stay safe out there. You're listening to Seggy Station.